0: especially our visitors. We're glad you're here with us. You are our honored guest. And if somebody hadn't shook your hand and give you a hug, I promise you they'll do that before you leave. I would like to thank my mom in law and daddy-in-law for coming. You got to thank your mom in law She feeds you good. So I always recognize her. My my favorite aunt and uncle's here. I got a lot of friends here today and I do appreciate y'all coming. Uh, it is the fifth Sunday, and on the fifth Sunday of the month, one of the elders will be speaking. And uh, if you knew I was speaking and you came, I appreciate you. And if you didn't, I'm sorry. It's, it's it. But come back tonight, because another one of our elders, uh, Eric Kagan, will be speaking tonight. And uh, come back and support him. And if you want to hear a real preacher, come back next Sunday. Matt Miller is our minister, and his head's getting bigger, but I'm going to say it anyway. He is uh, one of the best preachers around, in my opinion. He does a great job, he's very passionate, loves the Lord, loves to do Bible studies, and we appreciate him very much. And we're very fortunate here at Fountainhead. We have three ministers, Doug Parks, our associate minister, and Derek Perdue, who led the singing, is our youth minister, and they all do a great job. We're very blessed here. We have a lot of deacons that do a lot of work, and we have a lot of members that do a lot of work, and we appreciate everybody. Thanks for being here today. You know, today is December the 30th already. Can you believe that? This year has flew by. You know, the days go by slow, but the weeks go by fast. It's this time of year, the beginning of the year. Can you all hear me? The first, can you hear me? This time of the year is the end of the year, beginning of the year is going to be uh, next week. It's time for new beginnings, for new starts. Uh, Everybody wants to try to do something maybe that they didn't do this past year a little bit better. They want to do something different or or make it right or or try to do things better. At this time of the year, a lot of people want to try to lose some weight, want to get healthier, want to try to exercise a little bit, eat better. And I've been thinking about that myself, because especially since about Thanksgiving to now, every time I hold little Kibben, every time I'm holding him, somebody walks up and says, ain't he getting chubby? And I have to ask him, are you talking about Kibben or are you talking about me? So I've been thinking about maybe joining the gym, because I'd like to lose about $30 a month. Ain't that what, That's what we do, isn't it? We join the gym and we say, I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to eat more salads. I'm going to work out every day. And that first morning, we get up early. We go to the gym. We pump some iron. We do some free weights. We do all the machines, right? A treadmill, maybe a bicycle. We go home, go to work eat a light lunch, go home at night, eat some chicken and a salad, good day. Do that all week. We get up next week on Monday morning. It's awful early to get up. It wasn't too easy last week and we go it's a little bit harder to work out, right? Lunch's not so good, I'd rather have that pizza. Go home at night, that chicken again, don't taste so good. And we get ready to go to bed and we say, you know what? I don't have to work out every day. I'm going to work out every other day. I got to let my muscles breathe a little bit, right? So we sleep in on Tuesday morning and no doubt Matt Miller's going to call. Hey, McDonald's got that Grand Mac on special again. (laughs) So let's go get it. Yeah, I don't have to eat right every meal, right? I can, because I'm exercising. So every other day, then the next week, well, I don't have to work out every other day. I can just a couple times a week, and I can eat some pizza. Then the next week, maybe it's one day, and then sometime in February, we're driving down the road, we drive by that gym. Yep, that's where I'm sending my $30 every morning. (laughs) But you know, a lot of times, too, as a Christian, we say, I'm going to read the Bible this year. I'm going to read it through the whole, the whole Bible this year. I'm going to read it every day. And we start out good. We start out in Matthew or Genesis, and we do good for a while, and then life happens, don't it? We're busy, we got kids, we got grandkids, and we slack off. We don't get it done. And some people, As Christians we say, I'm going to be at every worship service, every time. I'm not going to miss any. I'm going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, the Bible don't say to come all that time. It says to meet on Sunday, to worship on Sunday. The elders have set the time to meet twice on Sunday and on (coughs) Wednesday. But in Hebrews, it says, Hebrews 10, chapter 25, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly, and to exhort one another. Now, we can't do that if we're not here. The elders here are not going to be mad at you if you don't show up. If you don't come on Sunday night, Wednesday night, we're not going to be upset. We're going to be disappointed because we feel like we got some teachers and preachers that are going to encourage you, are going to feed you spiritually, are going to make your life more like a Christian life, going to help you grow. The next time we see you, we're going to speak to you, we're going to hug you, we're going to love you, but wonder what God thinks when we don't find it important to be here. And I didn't went too far. In, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is speaking. And he says, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood she had. The rich people had plenty left. They put in a lot, but they had plenty left. They had plenty to take care of themselves. The poor widow had nothing left. She didn't have anything. She didn't even have money for food. She gave all she had. You know, it's not only what we give, but also what we have left to give. And we're talking about being a Christian and living a Christian life. If we want to get healthy, we're going to make a plan, right? We're going to exercise. We're going to, have, we're going to be on a diet. But we're going to have to actually do it if we want to get healthy. If we want to get to heaven, God's given us a plan. We just have to understand it, and we have to actually do it. Our goal in this life is to get to heaven and to take as many people with us as we can. Let's make a decision this year that we're going to put God first in our lives. And we do that by being at worship, by being at Bible studies, and by reading God's Word. You know, Ephesians 5.1 says to be imitators of God. And we're imitators of God. We're living like Christ wants us to. We're living a Christian life. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in heaven. It says that we are raised with Christ. We are a Christian. And to become a Christian, you have to obey the gospel. You have to hear God's word. You have to believe it. You have to repent of your sins. You have to confess Jesus before men, you have to be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you have to remain faithful. Revelation 2:10 says, "Remain faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life." And that's what we're talking about. How do we remain faithful in today's world? How can we do that every day? And why should we do that every day? Paul says, here to set your sights up in heaven, in the realities of heaven where Christ is with God, not on things of this earth, because we've died to this life. And when Christ, who is our life now, appears, we're going to share with him in his glory. If we listen to the world, folks, we're in trouble. (laughs) It's amazing that all the politicians, the news media, The athletes, the Hollywood actors, they want to tell us how to live our lives. They act like they're smarter than us. They act like they're smarter than God. And a lot of what they say doesn't go along with God's Word. God has already figured it out. He's given us the Bible. He's given us the pattern to live our lives by. And how about this right here? And our children know this. Matt says it every Sunday night. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we do that, there are no problems. If you love God and you love your neighbor, there are no problems. There's nothing else to figure out. By obeying the gospel, we have died to this life and we're joined with Christ in God. And how do we do that? Well, we have to put off the old man. It says, therefore, because we've become a Christian, because we want our future home to be in heaven, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. Paul says, put to death all these sinful things. Outward sins and attitudes that start in our heart don't have anything to do with them. Stay away from them. And don't be greedy. When we're greedy, we're concerned about worshiping the things of this world. We're always wanting more. And he says, if you commit these sins, God is going to be angry. We used to do them when we were part of the world. And verse 8 says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. But now, since we're a Christian, it's time to get rid of all of these. No sins have a place in God's people's lives because no immoral, impure, or greedy person is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Anger, rage, bad behavior, dirty language, and lying. When we act like that, we're not acting like Christians. We're not being Christ-like. We're a bad example to everybody we come in contact with. And it all starts in our heart, how we think. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Anger gives foothold to the devil. And then he's got you. You can't be the Christian you want to be when you're angry. When you're angry, you're thinking about that person or that thing, that situation that's bothering you. And you can't be a Christian. You can't help somebody else. You can't teach somebody else the gospel. It's got you. It says don't be angry. "...and put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all." Because we put on the new man, because we have come to the knowledge of God, he teaches us to live in a new kind of life. We, we learn how to live a life that is after the pattern of Jesus We don't talk ugly to people. We don't want to harm other people. We don't care what color other people's skin is. We look at everybody else that is someone that is made by God Almighty, just like we are. And once we know what God's Word says, once we've obeyed the gospel and said, yes, I want to be a Christian, I want to live like Jesus Christ, we can't act like we don't know what it says. We got to do it we got to be the Christian and live a life like Christ wants us to. Christ is all that matters, and we should live our lives with him in us. And how we do that is put on a new man, a new character. Therefore, since we have put off the old man, therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also do. It says, Therefore, since God has chosen us to be the holy people He loves, look at how we should act. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness or gentleness, long-suffering or patient. You know, I want everybody to treat me like that, don't you? Especially my brothers and sisters. And look at verse uh, 13 again. It says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you should also do. Bearing with one another. Think about that. If somebody says, Just bear with me, bear with me, they're struggling. Bear with me, I'll get it right. Bear with me, I need your help. One translation says to make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Allow for it. We're going to make mistakes. Our brothers and sisters are going to disappoint us sometimes. We're going to mess up. But you have to forgive each other. It says we must. It don't say maybe. It don't say I might. It don't say if I like that person. It says we must forgive each other because the Lord forgives us. And what a change of attitude. When we put off fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy and filthy language, when we put that off and we put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, what a different person that is, right? We went from acting like the world to acting like a Christian. Verse 14 says, But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And singing with grace in your hearts. And we know what love is. We know what the love chapter, 1 chapter, Corinthians chapter 13 says. It says, And though I have, put on, have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. You know, we can do all sorts of good things, but if we don't have love in our hearts, if we don't have Christ in our heart, if we don't do it in love, it says it profits us nothing. And and back to to, uh, Colossians, it says, and the peace that comes from Christ is to rule our hearts. Because we're members of one body, we're called to live in peace. And let the message about Christ fill our lives. We have peace when we do what God wants us to, when we're living right, when we're treating other people right. And look at the end of verse 15. It says to be thankful. Live a peaceful life. Live a loving life and be thankful. You know what the definition of thankful is? Delighted, glad, gratified, happy, joyful, joyous, pleased, and satisfied. You know what the opposite of thankful is? Displeased, dissatisfied, joyless, sad, unhappy, unpleased, unsatisfied. If you're a Christian, you should be happy. Is that not right? You should be happy. And people around you should see that you're happy and they should know why you're happy. Because you have the peace of Christ in your heart. You have God's message in your heart. You're going to heaven. Does that not make us happy? It should, shouldn't it? And verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How can we treat somebody bad? How can we lie to somebody? How can we hurt somebody in the name of the Lord? It's hard to treat people bad when you think like that. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. When we're a representative of the Lord, it changes our every thought and it changes our every action. Living a Christian life in the home. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husband, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So, I'm sorry about that. I was on the right page. Wives, submit to your own husbands. I ain't used to this thing. Wives, submit to your own husbands as it's fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children, lest they become discouraged. This is how you live a Christian life in the home. Matt says it all the time. If you want to change the world... You can by being a Christian. If you want to change the world, love God, love your spouse, love your children. That will change the world, I promise you. Be a mother and a father in your home. Teach your children how they're supposed to act. Bring them up in the admonition and instruction of the Lord. Turn the TV off. Turn the iPad off. Turn the phone off. Get your Bible, open it up, and sit down with your family and read it and talk about it. You do that, and I do that, and my children do that, and your children do that, and our grandchildren do that. That changes the world. Fathers and husbands, be the leader in your home. Show your sons, and this is a problem we have in the world today. You fathers, show your sons how how to treat a woman. You show your sons how to treat a a lady. And fathers show your daughters how that man they're going to marry in a few years should treat them. You have that responsibility in your home. You know, it, it says, wives submit to your own husbands as fitting to the Lord. And a lot of people take it the wrong way. But if my wife submits to me It means that I've been acting like a Christian. It means that I've been acting like God wants me to. She respects me because of the way I treat her. I love her the way Christ loves the church. Christ gave his life for the church. You know, in a lot of weddings, they talk about that triangle. God's at the top and the man and the woman's at the bottom. And the closer they get to each other, the closer they get to God. And that's true. That's how you make a Christian home, when you have God involved in it. And it shows that we have reverence and respect for the Lord. Fathers and single mothers, love your children and don't discourage them, encourage them, but be the parent. And sometimes that means saying no. Children, you have a responsibility in the home as well. Obey your parents, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Obey your parents. Respect your parents. Do what they ask you to do. When our children do that, it makes the home a whole lot more joyful. right? How to be a Christian at work. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing it from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. If you're working for someone, do a good job all the time. Not just when they're looking. Do your job sincerely because you fear the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord not for people. Because it says, remember, God will give us our inheritance as a reward. He is the master that we serve. And look at verse 25. If you do wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done because God shows no mercy. And in chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, if you're the boss, you better treat people fair because God's going to judge you. Now, why should we live like this? Why should we treat people right? Why should we be a Christian in our home? Why should we be a Christian at work? If we live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God, we have the opportunity to get to heaven. We have the opportunity to get our families to heaven, to get our brothers and sisters to heaven. But when we act like God wants us to, we have the opportunity to get the lost to heaven. We attract people to us When we live like that, look what Paul says in chapter four, verse two, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul's telling the Colossians here, devote yourself to prayer and to pray for him so that he may have the opportunity to teach others. About Christ even while he's in prison he's asking for prayers to open the door so that he can teach people and he's saying pray that I do it in a way that they understand it verse 5 walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time Let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one It says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. How we talk, how we act, how we live our lives makes a huge difference in other people's lives. We have a great influence to all the people that we're around. And if you don't think you do, you live like a Christian. And when somebody's struggling, when somebody needs help, you watch who they come to. They're not going to go to that person that's always doing something wrong, always talking ugly, always not working, always not doing what they should be doing. They're going to come to somebody that they think is going to help them. And that's a Christian. We have a great opportunity to live our lives in a way that affects people's lives. And we should do that. We should do it. You know, if you hadn't put God first in your life, in the, in the past year, let's make that decision today, all of us. Even if we have, let's do it better. Let's make the decision that we're going to put God first in our lives and we're going to affect other people's lives. If you need to make a change in your life, do it. Don't wait. Now is the perfect time. If you need prayers of the church, come forward today. We'll pray with you. We'll help you. We got loving people here today that will put their arm around you and pray for you and pray with you. And we'll help you out. If you're not a Christian and you may be thinking, you know, I've done so much wrong, God's not going to forgive me. Well, that's not right because Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, but you can make it right. Today, you, you can put Christ on in baptism. You know, Peter was preaching the first gospel sermon in Acts 2 and he told them, you've just killed Jesus the Christ the Son of the living God. And they said, Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's how you got to be saved. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was seeing the the eunuch in the the chariot go by. And he went up to him and the, the eunuch was reading. And Philip said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone teaches me? SO HE GOT INTO THE CHARIOT AND HE TAUGHT HIM JESUS. HE TAUGHT HIM JESUS. AND THEY COME UP ON SOME WATER AND THE EUNUCH SAID, HERE'S WATER, WHAT KEEPS ME FROM BEING BAPTIZED? AND PHILIP SAID, IF YOU BELIEVE, YOU MAY. AND HE SAID, I BELIEVE THAT JESUS IS THE CHRIST, THE SON OF THE LIVING GOD. AND THEY WENT DOWN IN THE WATER AND HE WAS BAPTIZED. AND THEY COME UP OUT OF THE WATER AND THE EUNUCH WENT ON HIS WAY REJOICING. Because he was saved. There's no, no greater feeling. Live your life like a Christian. If you need to be baptized today or you need anything, come right now. Together we stand the same.